and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Okay, good morning officially. The other time was just unofficial, but this is for real now. And again, welcome to those who are going to join us online. Glad you guys could join us. Uh, Before we start, a couple things I just want to talk about. Uh, One, it was great to see some of you at uh, Sue's memorial yesterday. It was a great time of food, get to see a few people we haven't seen in a while and have some great conversation. Um, Also, this past week, I spoke with uh, patients in Ecuador. I went to their house and saw them and talked to them. I mentioned last week that we wanted to keep them in prayer. And talking with them, they said I could share what has happened. Um, And so I wanted you guys to know what's happened and why we are praying for them. Uh, They went to go visit family in Kenya on the 29th. Uh, Their youngest son, who we call O, was home and he took his life on the 30th. Um, And then they came back, got here on the 1st. And and so that's what's happening. And there's a lot in why that's happened. We don't know, of course, Um, but they are in need of our prayers. And so many people have reached out to them and have shown them love by taking them food Uh, by being there for them in so many ways. And so we want to continue praying for them, as well as for Kristen and her family with the loss of Sue, uh, her mom. And so kind of heavy things happening to some of the people that are a part of our community, and we want to remember them. We'll let you know when uh, there's going to be a memorial service for O um, and just how we can be of help and come alongside of them through this time. So... It's heartbreaking. Um, Yeah, it's unbearable, the grief. But let's pause, let's pray for them and for our time together. Lord, there are no words to express what our friends are going through. And there is so little feels that we can do. And the reality of where they are at, Lord, we pray that you would be there in this time of hurt and hardship and pain and tears. May your presence participate in their grief. And I'm grateful for so many who are a part of this community who have extended themselves to them just by bringing food, just by saying they love them, just by crying with them, by trying to bear one another's burdens. Lord, help us to do better in how we live with each other. Help us to learn how to manage these relationships that are so complicated. And may our time together be opportunity for us to get to know each other, to engage and challenge one another, to 
ask questions, to open our thoughts and our understanding into what you might desire. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get started this morning, uh, since we have some guests here, I wanted to kind of share a little bit about um, when Brian, Jordan, and I went to Ireland last year. We met a whole bunch of people, and a couple of the people who stood out to us are here this morning. And uh, Conrad has a podcast called Ideas Digest. Um, and I'm going to invite Conrad to come up and talk to us a little bit about it. We've got a microphone for you right here. So, welcome, Conrad. I met him in Ireland, but he's from Australia. Um, but he travels the world and or has been for quite a while now. Tell us a little bit about the podcast, though, Ideas Maybe what it started as, I know it's evolving, yep. and whatever is going on right now with you. Well, <clears throat> I started Ideas Digest in, during the pandemic, um, and it kind of began, and it's kind of stayed a little bit. The idea is to explore, oh, there we go. The idea is to explore the ideas that divide everybody, because as we look around society... And I've kind of gone through a journey of becoming probably more disheartened a little bit as I've done this. I've just seen continual walls being built faster than anyone can possibly have the tools enough to break them down. So what I attempted to do in early days would go, okay, let's explore the ideas that divide us. So I was in the kind of progressive Christian world, I suppose, and there's that divide there. You've got the fundamentalists and you've got the progressives. And I would just talk to people and go through a bit of a... It's just kind of an interview style thing and I would just explore, okay, what is the idea that you're really like hanging on to here? How did you find it? What led you to it? And I would try and like behind the scenes there, um, people would generally listen and you're listening to things you agree with. You're like, oh, I love this guy. And I, and I would just try and excavate, okay, here's someone who, let's take a Christian example. Here's someone who believes women shouldn't be pastors. Bit of a dividing line within churches. Like some churches say yes, other churches say definitely not. Um, and so I'd find a pastor who's like, no, w- women's role is not that. Men is the leadership. And I would try and excavate, okay, how did you get here? What upbringing did you have? How do you find that? And then I'd try and ask questions that could, that could have the potential to expose something a little bit. And I'd, I wanted to leave it there where people would... I think people just hear what they want to hear. And so people who are already in the camp of like women shouldn't be pastors or, or um, whatever the example is, I'm trying to think of like specific Christian kind of examples here, and they would hear and go, yeah, I totally agree, that's fantastic. And then I'd have people come after me and be like, can you believe when you asked that question, he just didn't see it. He, you were just like, oh, well, you know, ask like a curly question, not to debate but to go, Ah, oh, but, you know, like the Bible's changed, written in the time. What do you say to people that say, you know, you're contextually reading it wrong? You know, the, then the people in the other camp would listen and, and just go, oh, how did he miss that? And so as time's gone on, I kind of was always curious to explore what is it that divides us and can we see the humanity in somebody else? Can I ask enough questions so that people can come away going, initially, you know, my feminist friends are like, what an absolute monster that he can believe such a barbaric, <laughs> idiotic, like this guy, you know, when you hear the, that idea, many people would think that. But can I 
create a space where someone can go, okay, I get it. I still don't agree. I'm not there. I can see a little bit what they see. So that was the journey I've kind of gone through as I've gone through like exploring, um, talking to OnlyFans, porn models and, you know, how they end up doing what they're doing and how they think about it and rationalise it and um, through like religious kind of the progressive space versus the conservative space. And it's, I guess I've always, I think I, as I've gone through, I discovered that I think it's really difficult because I come from a progressive Christian background and I, and I guess that hope and optimism being like, okay, we can see where the conservatives exclude. You know, there are friends that I have that are like, you're not a Christian. And I'm like, oh, well, that's nice of you to think that, but, you know, I think differently. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but I just discovered it takes one person for there to be no room for two. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, so as I've kind of evolved the podcast, it's, it's kind of still exploring. Like lately I was experimenting with a friend going, we'll flip a coin and I'll debate, I'll convince, I'll try and convert someone to whatever that idea is. So I think um, recently there was one on like, should churches pay tax? And I argued that they shouldn't. Um, and then my friend argued that they should. And just to kind of explore like these ideas that divide us, they're the things that stand in the way of us truly connecting with someone's humanity. Um, but I feel at this moment now, <laughs> like I'm going through a bit of a, I was just telling Sam, I was just going through a bit of like a depression in the series to just kind of be like, I think it's too hard. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I, I just don't think you, you can like, I, I think it's really hard to bring people to that space to be, to break through the barrier. And, and as I'm loosely connected with some progressive people who distribute the podcast, just kind of seeing how they engage with like the, I think I've had a pro-Trumper on the show before and think, and how they engage with like the conservatives that rejected them. And I had this hope that I'm like, no, no, like we can see that Jesus absorption of violence. We can see that, um, we can see that n- the need to kind of accept and absorb and, and kind of go, okay, we're different and that's okay. And I can at least understand where you come from. And I've seen the group of people I had hope with, I can see them be just as hard and cold and bitter and just reading Facebook posts like one I saw from one of my friends who I would have expected it would come from the other camp and it was just like there's no dodgier businessman than a Christian businessman. And I was just like, well, I commented, I was like, oh, when did Mark Zuckerberg become a Christian? Like, (laughs) You must have missed that. But just that, that hardness of like all of this group of people is this. And I understand the hurt that it comes from and the rejection that it comes from. But I'm like, if this group of people can't be exposed to see the humanity at least and at least go, okay, what you're doing is harmful and hurts this group of people, I get it. But there's probably some hurt that is coming from that. Should I write someone off? I don't know. So that's, that's I don't know, that, that's been the, the arc of the show right there. I don't know if it gives an idea of like, I'm just experimenting with how can people see the humanity of somebody else and it's in a ref it's in a reform phase at the moment i'm not sure where it'll not sure where, where it's it'll gonna go yeah. so i don't know i took the sermon so we can all just go home <laughs> <laughs> well i encourage you guys to listen to it again a lot of insightful thinking you can see why i like conrad just the ideas of questions and, and i love you know the at least 
recognition that you can be on the progressive, whatever side, and be just as dogmatic as those that you're trying to convert to your side as they are trying to convert you. And if you don't have an attitude that is at least compassionate towards where they are and who they are as people, then you will not be able to bridge that gap. Right? I mean, that, that's such an important reality. I mean, this, this morning I'm going to be talking about love. That's the word. And I think this is a great kind of segue into that because I think that's the missing ingredient, right, uh, in so many ways. And what does that look like, though? And so we're going to kind of step into that. But thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> oh, 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 wait for the handshake. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I just Conrad. I just <sighs> so we've been talking about a lot of like big words throughout Scripture. We talked about forgiveness, peace last week, hope, um, salvation. salvation. Thank you. Um, I, I think this is probably one of the bigger ones when we talk about love and what it means. It's especially foundational in the New Testament. But even going back into the Old Testament, I want to kind of look at it. And, you know, there's a way to define something. I mean, we could pick out the words like in the Greek, you've probably all heard, you know, there's agape, phileo, eros. There's these words that define it, but it's different to define something than to capture its intention, to have an imagination that is able to allow it to have an effect on our lives. I, I can give you a definition of a grandchild. It is, you know, the child of a son or a daughter. But then I can also explain that it is someone who reveals and fills a space in your life you didn't know was missing. Right? And, and one is trying to capture an essence, and one's just giving information. And I so hope that we can get past the definition information and get into something that's trying to be expressed in a different way that gives us more insight. And and let's try to look past that information to get a hold of the insight. And, And when we go into the Old Testament to talk about God and love, there's some very dramatic ways of God saying he loves you. And I think it's an ancient people in an ancient culture trying to bring expression to ideas that they were probably wrestling with. And in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, it says, you are never to bow down to another God because Yahweh being jealous by nature is a jealous God. So this is a way of God saying, hey, I I love you, but it's a strange way. Right? And as it goes on into Numbers, the book of Numbers, we see Moses having this argument with God saying, you know, God saying, I'm fed up with these people. I'm going to let the enemies take them, the Egyptians take them back over, and I'm just done with them. And then Moses is pleading with God saying, but if you do that, then they're going to see that, you know, your love isn't steadfast. And in Numbers 14, verse 18, says, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. 
please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And so God's coming across here, at least to me, as this middle school boy who's caught his girlfriend talking to another guy, right? I mean, he's, he's jealous and he flies off the handle and he needs to be calmed down and he holds a grudge for multiple generations. And it just seems like a strange understanding of God And I think what's happening, again, is we're seeing a description of active passion, not passive indifference. We're we're seeing an expression of engagement, involvement. It's not a matter of just ritual insignificance. It's supposed to be something that's dynamic. When my son was hit by a car and wandering the streets of New Orleans with a concussion... We didn't say, well, someone will find him. I flew over because I am pursuing him because that's what a father does. That's what love is supposed to do. It's not going to just, he'll be okay. It's involved. And, And so this kind of passionate pursuing is seen in these things so that There's an understanding that it isn't something that God is distant from. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, probably one of the more important verses or more known verses, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Love the Lord your God with your thinking, with your longing, with your striving. Again, it's something that's supposed to be engaging and active. And again, it it might seem strange and conflicting to find a command to love in a law. But again, for an ancient people, this is what love and devotion looked like. And early on, we see the important understanding that we will follow what we love that what we love is going to drive us. You can know the right thing, but if you love the wrong thing, you'll make the wrong choice almost every time. Ask anyone in AA. I I know it's good not to drink as much as I do, give all my money to this and devastate my family, but I love alcohol and I love drinking. And so what choice do they make? And, And until... They acknowledge what they love. There isn't the ability to deal with it. And and so let's keep this picture in mind, loving with all our thinking, longing, and striving as we continue to move even into the New Testament and and look at this word and how it means. And, And I think that there is a legacy that's been left to Christianity that is not really celebrated as much as I think it should be. And and that is that of the early followers of Christ who lived like Jesus and, and made an impact on the world around them so that this way of life started to spread, so that the people who saw them acknowledged that they were doing something different. And I want to look a little bit at... One of the church fathers, Tertullian, who lived about 
155, 200 CE and wrote some things down. And he wrote 50 chapters supporting and defending Christianity in his work called Apology. And it begins, magistrates to the Roman empire seated as you are before the eyes of all in almost the highest position in the state to pronounce judgment. If you are not allowed to conduct an open and public examination and inquiry as to what the real truth is with regard to the Christians, then let the truth reach your ears by the private and quiet avenue of literature. In other words, all the things that you are reading about, all the things that you are hearing about them, let those things influence you. And he writes, we form one body because of our religious convictions and because of the divine origin of our way of life and the bond of common hope. When Christians come together, he writes, they pray for world leaders, for the welfare of all people, for peace and for God's grace and mercy on the world. Christians care about peace and prosperity for everyone in the world, not just for themselves. And so this mentality of a group of people who are seeing themselves as one are here to care about everyone. And he's urging them to see what is being written about these people. And we don't know their names. They're just these everyday Joes and Joannas, right? I mean, there's all these people that are just living in this way that are making an impact on the communities they live in. He spends a lot of time talking about the responsible use of money that Christians have. He urges they're they're not compelled or coerced to give money to their own organization. How things have changed. Um, They do so at their own will and according to ability and conscience. And unlike other associations at the time, that the funds are not channeled into fancy feasts and drunken parties, but rather the money is used for supporting the burial of the poor, for children who are without their parents, uh, those who have no means for sustenance, for aged men who are confined to the house, likewise for shipwrecked sailors, and for any in the mines, on islands, or in prisons. So their money is being collected and given to these things. They're not supporting elaborate buildings, planes for the pastor, Christians... Instead, the outsiders are gossiping about their hatred, actually, he says, is coming from jealousy. They see the deep love the Christians have for one another, and they despise it. They say, see how they love one another and how ready they are to die for each other. He claims that Christians commonly call each other brothers because they act like true family, united in mind and soul and have no hesitation about sharing what they have. And he explains the difference between the popular drinking parties of high society and the love feasts of the Christians, that the parties are overflowing the bellies and pockets and egos. The Christians welcome, care for, and feed the poor out of their respect for their God, who desire that the greater consideration be given to those who are in lower places. He begs the instigators of persecution against Christians to produce any evidence of wrongdoing by the church. But for those destruction, whose destructions have we ever held a meeting? In other words, what have we ever done to cause problem to anyone? We are the same when we assemble as when we separate. We are collectively the same 
as we are individually, doing no one any injury, causing no one any harm. His overall argument is that Christian people are good people, people who demonstrate the ideas of a good and just society, rich in mercy and in love. Reading through this, I was just like, oh my gosh, how far have we fallen? The early people saw how they followed Jesus and called them Christian. Today, we call ourselves Christian and the world calls us hypocrite. Because the life we're living is not representative of the Jesus that we see. Like Gandhi would say, I like your Jesus. I just don't like your church. It would seem that these early followers of Jesus lived into what Jesus said in John 13. And he said, by all this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not if you have the right doctrine, right? Not if you vote the right party. Not if you believe that women should or shouldn't be in ministry or that abortion is or it shouldn't be legal or illegal. Those aren't the defining things that make you like Jesus. It is that you care, love for one another and treat each other like family. That was supposed to be the defining moment. And then in 1 John chapter 4, He says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only, one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins, the place where forgiveness takes place. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. And this sounds like what Tortullian Tortullian was describing. You do this, people will see, and then people will be able to recognize. I, I think we can do to love what we do to God, where we objectify it, right? We make love an object, something outside of us that we observe, we poke, we prod, we examine, we discuss, we define. But here it's more of a mystery. It's something that we are immersed in. It's something that is all around us, something that we cannot see, but it allows us actually to see. No one has seen God But if we love, well, something is seen. And so it's a way of unveiling something that is mysterious by not objectifying it, by by recognizing that it is your participant in it. Love doesn't exist. You can't touch it. You can't taste it. You can't put it into a test tube, examine it. But love calls everything into existence. We can live in such a way that people are just objects and that happen. Have you ever been to an airport late at night 
right, when you're tired and you're waiting for your flight, maybe you're a layover and just people are going by and going by and going by. And, and they're no different than if, like if you're a cow standing in a field and a car goes by and it looks up and then it goes back to eating grass, right? It's not thinking, oh, I wonder who's there. I wonder where they're going. There's no concept. It's just this kind of they're there, I'm here. It's no big deal. It isn't until we care about someone that they become more than just a car passing by. It's not until we have interest in that that it moves us to make a difference in how we see those things. Till you see them as an individual. They are given value by our recognition of them as being valuable. When I was in the hospital and had uh, the tumor taken out of my kidney, I was in the hospital and it was somewhere during COVID, I don't remember. Um, and like the nurses all had to have masks on. I didn't have to have a mask on. They tested me. I was okay. And I didn't have a mask on, but all these nurses kept coming in. And I don't know if it was the medication or what, but every time the nurse would come in, I'd say, can you take your mask off? And they say, why? I go, I just want to see you. And then they would just smile, right? You're not just this person, you know, doing something to the buttons to turn off the alarms. You're a person taking care of me. And and I want to recognize you. And I want to have conversation with you. I want to appreciate you. I want to say thank you. And and it was great. The, The relationship changed just by me asking if I could see them. Same things happen with me when I'm talking to people who are homeless and they ask me for money. And instead of just saying no or what's going on, I ask him, what's your name? And it throws like, well, this is my name. How'd you get here? What's going on, man? You have family around here? And and inquiring about them, all of a sudden, it's like, I see you. I'm not going to just give you money and I'm not just going to blow you off. But what's going on? Who are you? Being seen is so important. The Samaritan woman at the well, when Jesus goes and talks with her, we know she's at the well at a time when she was being excluded She had these other husbands, and so she's probably an outcast from society. And she goes back and says, this man told me everything I did. What is she saying? This man sees me. Love looks at my granddaughter, who is just one among millions of babies, and sees singular, infinite value, whose laugh changes my life. What is that? What, what, what's happening? I can't feel it. I, I don't know. It, it's something I'm experiencing. It's something that's pulling me into that. Love is a reality that allows us to see the world in a different way. And, and instead of giving it a definition, let's allow it to have an influence and give us insight into how we are supposed to live with one another, how we're supposed to experience life together so that even in disagreement, we can have compassion. We can care. We're going to show a short video right now. It is love that matters. All else will pass away. 
We need a thoughtful love. A wisdom that sees and knows more deeply. A faith that trusts in the power of God who lives beneath our wings. Ours is the age of something radically new. It is more than a reformation. It is an evolution in love. It is not simply we humans who are in evolution, but God seeks to evolve, to become more being in love, more conscious, more God at the heart of the universe. This is the truth that sets us free, the light that eludes our sight. We are the privileged bearers of transcendence. God cannot do for us what we must do for ourselves. Empty our lives of the inner clutter and noise so that we may welcome God within. Only when we allow God to be God for us can God save us. Because divine love can do no other than make whole. God's love is unmanageable and unruly. It is creative, spontaneous, and novel. It slips in between our controlling urges and dwells in the unbearable wholeness of our being. What a cunning God this is, who hides in lepers and appears in a poor man carpenter turned preacher. Divine love is beyond what the human mind can imagine or invent. It is not logical or predictable. It has empowered life from the beginning and promises to stay forever because love is ever new, ever more whole, deepening the rich creativity of life's playfulness. We all have a part in this unfolding love. We are all holes within holes, persons within persons, religions within religions. We are one body and we seek one mind and heart, more personal and unified in love. This urging toward oneness is an invitation to evolve the divine. We must unfold the past into the quantum moment and let us aim toward the future. For up ahead is the Christ, rising from the dead in the darkness of night become for us the God of the future. How do you, undes- how do you describe the undescribable? I-, I think people of faith often get it backwards that We think, well, I can believe in God, and if I believe in heaven, and if I believe in Jesus, and believe in the Bible, and that life has purpose, that's what I need. But if you have all those things, but you don't love, you will live a life without meaning. And the opposite is true, that you cannot believe in purpose of life, and not believe in God, and not believe in the Bible. But if you love, you will have a life filled with meaning. On the other hand, it's not just the love that is meaningful. Is love is calling us into meaning. 
It's calling us into this existence. It's, it's calling us into a transcendence. It's calling us into who God is. And again, once we say the name God, we've already brought it down to a level of less than it, it really is. We've, we've made God an object so that we can start to grasp hold of it. But something's trying to grasp hold of us. And I think that is God. And I, I think even as John said, God is love. And I think that's something that we all experience. Paul writes that without love, he is nothing. I, I can have faith to move mountains. I can give to the poor, give my body to be burned. But if I have love, it, it's nothing. At, at Sue's memorial, you know, Ben would introduce me as, oh, this is Pastor Sam and you guys know how I feel about that, right? Just that, that title. Once I get put into that boat, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm going to have these conversations, you know? And everyone wants to know then what I believe. And maybe because they know Ben and Ben being a part of our community, you know, Ben talks quite a bit. Um, they're asking me like, oh, you, know, well, you know, what do you think about this? And when, I really, I don't want to know what you believe. I want to know how you believe. I don't care if you believe in resurrection or not. Do you live a life that is alive? I don't care if you believe the Bible is infallible or not. Are you living a life that is provoked by love? Because that's when I see your belief. And even as we've talked about that word belief, belief doesn't mean what we think, it means what we live into. When I saw a patient's in Ecuador this week, it's just unbearable grief. It's unbearable. And it's like, this is reality. What they're experiencing right now, the loss of their son, the tragedy that's happened, this is reality. I need something that is going to be real right here and right now. I, I don't need a Bible verse. I don't need to be told it's all gonna be okay. In fact, she said, it's not okay. And it's not. And, and if there is a God, I think there is a God who weeps with her. And that's all the people who love them can do is come alongside them and cry. But it was amazing that it was in that time of their hurt, that she would start to share, but so-and-so brought us dinner. And these people came, and this person, they had two plots for burial because in their culture, they're not supposed to prepare for the death of a child. And one of these people gave one of their plots to them at the cost, saving them untold amount of money. And she said, who does that? God does that through the people. And this is the power that is active and not passive. This is where we are participants in the work of God. And it's not something that we try to just make happen. It's something that is happening, but are we involved with it? Find the things that God is doing and join those things and you will participate in the things that are happening by God. Reality is raw and it has to show up in that raw reality. Faith has to show up there. And it's not easy. It's vulnerable. 
Brian and I were talking about that the other night, Wednesday, I think, right? Just how you want to guard yourself from love because you can get hurt or you want to love better and you try to put guards up. But when you don't allow vulnerability, you also don't allow love. You, you block the potential. And so it's hard, like when you're hurt and someone hurts you and you want to say, man, I've had enough of this. You don't live a whole life unless you wholly live. God and love don't exist, they insist. They call us into existence. And when we give up objectifying love and engaging in love, we we experience something more real than reality itself. We are participants in the foundation of what life comes from, I believe to understand that you are known, that you are seen, and you are still loved. I think that's something that we all desire. I think that's something that we look for in our parents. It's something we look for in our lovers. It's something that we look for in our friends. You know, everyone, when they start off dating, is a liar. You know, you put on this great you know, impression, you dress nice and brush your teeth. I mean, I hope you brush your teeth anyway, but you know, you do your hair, you you do all these things to put on this image. But at some point you want that person to know who you really are and still want to stay with you because that's when love starts to show up in that acceptance of the weakness in the hurt and in the pain and in the struggles, and in the growth as it evolves, as our lives evolve. And so let's allow love to be transcendent in how we interact with one another, to be the strongest voice in our soul that we want to communicate. Let's pray. God, I am so inadequate at expressing not only what love is, but who you are. We see through a glass darkly. We we don't understand the mystery that we are swimming in but we can't deny it because it pulls us, it calls us, and it pushes us forward. At least I pray it would. And I pray that we would be aware of it, that we would allow the voices of the ancients and prophets that describe you as jealous and present you as overturning tables and pursuing the one sheep to capture our imagination and just give us a glimpse of maybe seeing you where we live. And I pray that we would be a people known by love, even as that early followers were, those early followers as they sought to live like you described and taught 
and engaged you. May we do the same for your sake, Jesus. Amen. May the love of God capture our imagination and inspire our lives to live above the noise and distractions around us. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Look forward to our conversation together. Thank you guys. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.